Namaste, this is Bupali Kulkarni. I'm the Director of Human Rights at the Hindu American Foundation. Today, I'm very happy to introduce to you stories of Bengali Hindus. They're a team of Bengali Hindus that are amplifying the voices of what's happening to Hindus in Bangladesh. Here today from the team, we have Moa and Somya B. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so Thank much. You so much so we have a lot to cover today. We want to talk about October 2021 violence, um, how that relates to um, the Bengali Hindu genocide. We're coming up on that commemoration week. And also, you had some interesting situations with your Twitter account, which was suspended. And Twitter gave a very strange reason for why it was suspended. So all that and more coming up next. Let's start first with the October 2021 violence. You, you, your team did a great job of highlighting that violence and the Hindu American Foundation was working very hard to advocate on all fronts um, in as many ways as we could to try and bring about an end to that violence and then address, uh, have all of the perpetrators be brought to justice so that this doesn't happen again. But that's not necessarily what has happened. So could you tell us in your own words, what happened in October 2021 and what was the response from the Bangladesh government? All right. Uh, if I may start, first of all, uh, when the October 2021 violence started, it is said that it started on October 13th. But honestly speaking, there were many signs that it was like going to start because first of all, these skirmishes happen almost every year, meaning uh, extremist attack Hindus on Durga Puja happen almost every year. Almost every year, murtis are destroyed, meaning Hindu idols are destroyed and Hindus are intimidated. But this time it became nationwide and social media had a role in this, how it spread. And all of this unfurled right before our eyes. I, I can personally say that I witnessed how it unfurled. There is an account on Twitter and this Twitter account is still up. This account uh, tweeted a video where he said that Hindus have desecrated the Quran. And basically this person I can translate briefly what he said. He said Hindus desecrated Quran in Nanuadihi. Every Muslim every Muslim's responsibility is to give them a lesson. And this video spread then far and wide, and it was spread also um, on Facebook. This person has deleted his video ever since, but his other tweets are up. He has hashtagged the tweet with hashtag Hindutva terror. I went through his account and he's very active, um, active on social media about Indian politics and Bangladeshi politics, of course. Basically, this, the, this video was one of the first videos, if not the first videos that spread hatred against Hindus. And after that, the riots started in Nanuadiki and then they spread to Noakhali and all over Kumilla. And then they even sp spread to the far northern parts of Bangladesh that's in Rongpur and then far south, southeastern parts of Bangladesh, that is Chittagong. The way they spread was incredible in this sense that it seemed very premeditated and as if they planned it for weeks 
ahead. And it makes sense because they knew that Durga Puja is coming. And it's not, it's not a coincidence that they chose to attack on our holiest day, our holiest week. And basically there are a lot of details uh, in these riots that are actually bone chilling. <laughs> it's very hard for me to talk about this issue without breaking down. But I think it's important that we speak about them because no media has highlighted. If you look at the New York Times, they haven't highlighted it. No Indian media has highlighted it. And forget about Bangladeshi media. Actually, I think this uh, DW Bangladesh has had like a section of it. They, uh, the hosts were discussing about the rot of Bangladeshi society that this kind of large scale attack ha has happened. But after that, no other, you know, voices have come out. Would you like to hear all the other details or should I pass it to Shomuzib and continue <laughs> I mean, a bit later to take think, a little time? Yeah, I think we, we have to get into the details, but I think one of the most important details that I want to briefly highlight is that the person that had put the Quran in the lap of Hanumanji in a Durga Puja mm -hmm. Manda was himself a Muslim individual who was working to foment violence. And I can Precisely. speak from, yeah, and, and I can speak for myself. If I put a sacred text in the lap of a deity, it would be a sign mm -hmm. of veneration. You don't just put things on or around a Hindu deity if it's not, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not trying to sanctify that object or offer it, you know, you only offer the best of things to Bhagwan, whether it's Hanumanji or, you know, Durga Mata. But the the fact that the it was perceived you know it was done with the intention of saying well this is an act of desecration that was it clearly shows how it was premeditated and then um mm -hmm. the thing that really gets me is that hanumanji's gada was taken so that was an act of desecrating hanumanji's murti so it's <laughs> an, an act of desecration against a hindu murti which was then painted as an act of um, desecrating, you know, a sacred text of another religion. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but so many before we get into the additional details that Moa was going to share, is there anything else that you want to add to the initial picture of what started this violence? Uh, the initial well, picture uh, actually is pretty clear. I mean, uh, it was definitely premeditated. We also need to look into account how f deliberate fake news was being spread at the time. So you mentioned uh, uh, that Muslim individual who uh, had kept that Quran. So initially it was said that it was the Hindus who had done that. So I think later CCTV visuals uh, re uh, revealed that it was actually a Muslim individual who had done that. Later, the news was being spread that he was a, a mentally ill patient. Okay, so then again, I ask uh, this one question. If he is a mentally ill patient, then does it mean everyone else doing the riots all across the country, were they all mentally ill patients as well? I mean, will, will, is, will the media go this far to uh, defend what was uh, like clearly not defendable? Uh, that is not the only point where, I, uh, where we saw that fake news. And there's a pretty famous account called uh, Bashir Kella. I think uh, Mohua would know uh, what group is that account related mm -hmm. with. Uh, could you please tell Mohua? Bashir Kerala is a, a 
this British group or British Bangladeshi group, uh, they have hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook and Twitter, and they're a verified account and they have deliberately spread this fake news. And they have also claimed that it was Hindus who have desecrated Quran, which is not true. It was later found out it was not true, but their account is also up. And obviously with Bashar Kella, there are several other groups who are still up and doing very well on Facebook, Twitter, and we mm -hmm. have noted all of them and we know which groups they are exactly. And they, they still haven't, you know, when they say that, you know, they're giving justice, no justice has happened. And exactly. it's, in, it's insane. So that Bashar Kalla, I remember, I think it was most likely this account which had tweeted uh, that what was happening in Rongpur was uh, there was visuals of Hindu houses being burnt. Entire Hindu houses, houses were burning in a village and Bashar Kalla uh, most probably had tweeted that. Uh, it, the Hindus had set their own houses on fire to blame uh, the, the Muslims uh, on what was happening. Oh my God. So this is the, yes, so this is the level in which uh, they can go. In fact, as I look into the account right now, they're even uh, saying that what is happening in East on uh, Dhaka right now that the uh, wall had collapsed or you know some other incidents like that so they are always in denial mode their account is uh, still up reporting that mm -hmm. uh, further uh, points regarding the desecration I also remember seeing visuals of uh, many copies of Bhagavad Gita also burnt. It was most likely an Iskon temple uh, because I also remember seeing a statue of Srila Prabhupada also being burnt. So, but you see absolutely nothing from the uh, Hindu mm. regarding that. So, so if, if we just keep the pretext that it was desecration which led to this, then I don't think uh, the statement is quite true. There's a lot, there's a lot that we can unpack here in terms of the ways in which this was premeditated and planned and also the ways in which the response from the Bangladesh government tried to minimize what happened. And also they were extremely unhelpful on the ground. So we know that that's typically the case when there's violence against Hindus in Bangladesh, they're very slow to respond. I know in ISKCON's case this uh, past week, it was there. It was a separate building. It wasn't their mandir that was attacked, but they were, it was like a huge mob that came to try and basically land grab. They were not successful, very thankfully, but this is something that is an ongoing problem. And I think that's why it's so important to talk about it. A lot of times when I'm trying to advocate for Bangladeshi Hindus, some of the responses I get are like, oh, that happened in the past. And I'm like, no, 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 this is happening literally right now as we speak. It's something that, you know, it's so jarring and it's, it's such a torrent of violence that Bangladeshi Hindus are facing. So I think it's a really, really important, Moa, if you can just share two examples of some of the, uh, some of the um, violence that took place in October 2021 before we move on to some other things, because we Hindus and supporters of Hindus need to know the extent of the violence, because violence against Hindus is rarely talked about, especially by Hindus. So please, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So Bangladeshi government has actually claimed in their official statement that only two Hindus were killed and they never specified why they were killed. And they also mentioned that even Muslims were killed by the security forces. And that's that. That's it. And they also mentioned that not a single temple was destroyed, which is obviously seeing the images that were coming real time is absurd claim. It's this 
outright lie. And the fact that they said that only two Hindus killed when even like social media and even the conventional media was reporting uh, several names and we know by their name like at least seven like Dilip Dash, Jatan Shaha among the uh, among other and they were even like Dilip, uh, Dilip Dash's news even came on a local newspaper and he was the seventh victim that was reported and for Bangladeshi government to claim that only two Hindus died is just an example of how how to say this how shameless uh, lies can government give? Not just uh, October. A lot of the incidents were never, uh, never um, put out in the media. For example, there was this house uh, burning in Tanpur, and this happened during the same time. I think people took. Um, advantage of the violences that were happening elsewhere and they thought that okay violence is happening elsewhere now we can do this freely nobody will notice so these type of incidents never came to the uh, mainstream media but they came to the social media and uh, there is one detail about this, however, is that the Bangladeshi government and lots of uh, newspapers like the Dhaka Tribune and the Daily Star, they reported how the Bangladeshi government is sending sending the tanks there and arresting 450 people. There were huge headlines mentioning that. And even Indian media caught up to this. They said that Bangladeshi government, uh, Sheikh Hasina's government is arresting 450 people. But if you read further, they said that they're arresting people spreading fake news. And then there were a couple of Hindu names mentioned. So, okay, here the fake news just means real news that Hindus were uh, spreading uh, about the uh, about the riots, of course. So these people were being arrested and hear me out. The reason for their arrests were that they were maligning Bangladesh's image. Mm. This, this was their official response. And then there are even more like, how to say, chilling details from these riots. For example, when the riots were happening, the most riot affected areas, they took away the Hindu police officers and replaced them. Like they took away the Hindu police officers. Why would they do that? You know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> the level of cover up happening right now and the fact that no international media even reported about this, like the most reputed uh, newspapers like the New York Times didn't even bother to delve into this. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, okay, let me uh, frame this for our audience um, in terms of what Malaji is talking about. Um, the cover up from the Bangladesh government in light of this violence was very severe. So there were some news outlets that were reporting the violence here and there, and like, oh, there was an attack in this um, village, you know, houses were burned, shops were destroyed. Um, you know, religious spaces such as mandaps and temples were also desecrated and destroyed. And so there were some news stories which we talk about this, the number of people killed and injured as well. But the Bangladesh government put out a statement. And after this statement, the temperature changed and the media stopped responding. And so um, stopped talking about any of this violence. 
So this is the uh, statement that's up on the Bangladesh uh, government's website now. This is the foreign minister, uh, A.K. Abdul Momin's um, statement about, quote unquote, recent communal violence. I'm just going to read this for our audience really quick. Contrary to all the ongoing propaganda, only six people died during recent violence, of which four were Muslims killed during the encounters with law enforcing authorities and two were Hindus, one of whom had normal death and another when he jumped in a pond. None was raped and not a single mandir was destroyed. However, deities or goddesses were vandalized. While the violence was unfortunate and should not have happened, the government took immediate action. The perpetrators have been arrested and now they are under police custody. About 20 houses were burned down. They have been rebuilt and everyone got compensation. More compensation is underway. It is unfortunate that few enthusiastic media and individuals are spreading cooked up stories centering on the recent violence, basically to embarrass the government that is committed to religious harmony. End quote. So <laughs> my response to the Bangladesh government, and you know, I wish they would listen, <laughs> I know they won't, is that this is not about you. Um, this is not about how people perceive your government. This is about the real lives lost and basic human rights of your citizens. So the fact that, you know, uh, that they said that six people were killed, four individuals were Muslims in, you know, their encounters with law enforcement authority, which begs the question, what were they doing that they were killed by law enforcement? And that, the you know, it's laughable that they said two Hindus were killed, one from natural causes, which if it was natural causes, why on earth are they <laughs> including it yeah. in their official statement? And then another from jumping in a pond. So, uh, you know, it's it, their explanation of how these two people died is absolutely absurd. <laughs> the fact that this official statement came out changed the temperature of the advocacy that was possible of the news reports that were coming out. Even reputable news sources would suddenly change, even though they had reported on like people who had died, suddenly they would change and say, oh, only two Hindus died. And it was because of this official statement from the Bangladesh government and their efforts to uh, cover up this violence were very, very strategic. So. Speaking of government cover-ups, I think this is a good opportunity um, to transition um, just briefly into what we're coming on uh, up to um, soon. In the next week, we're going to be commemorating the Bengali Hindu genocide. This will be 51 years since about 3 million were killed, at least 10 million were displaced, and 200 to 400,000 women were raped. Exact numbers on the number killed are difficult to obtain, but 3 million is the official number put out by the Bangladesh government. We know that a majority of those killed were Hindus. The specific targets, and thus those affected, were Hindus based off of government records, responses from academics, um, and not just from one government, not just from Bangladesh or Pakistan. This includes the U.S., India. And at the time, this was, you know, a conversation in international community. Definitely, we need to address how this October 2021 violence relates to the Bengali Hindu genocide. These acts of, you know, pogroms that are just attacking an entire community um, with fabricated, completely fabricated reasons to attack a community and try and destroy them is 
very genocidal, if we can use that word. It's been used uh, very, very casually these days in reference to India. So I'm getting more comfortable with using it when people's lives are actually lost, when they literally lose everything, when their farms are burned down, their houses are burned down, their stores are looted and destroyed, their religious uh, places of worship are desecrated and dismantled. In those instances, when people are being kill- killed and raped and injured, I think it's fair to say these are, you know, this is ethnic cleansing. This is genocidal in nature. Can you guys both talk a little bit about the October, you know, the October 2021 violence and how it relates to the Bengali Hindu genocide? Why should we care about commemorating the Bengali Hindu genocide as Hindu, as Hindu supporters now, today? I think, Shomodip, you can start this time. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I just like to mention uh, just one point. I couldn't mention it earlier. Uh, among the Hindus, death was also a relative of our team member Sandeep. So his own relative also had died in the uh, Kumilla and uh, Puja programs, and they, his family then had to migrate to India. So we, of course, cannot reveal their locations because of that. But uh, we do have a personal connection. Unfortunately, uh, what happened, and of course, uh, his mention is not even on the official uh, death records uh, that Bangladesh government had said. Uh, regarding the connection, uh, the whatever happened uh, in, let's say, October 2021, or any of the pogroms or the, any of the things that happened, they did not happen in vacuum. So there was always a premeditated will to ethnically cleanse the Hindu communities from uh, East Bengal. And these events were also happening before the partition. We can even go back as far as 1930s or even earlier. Uh, primarily, what actually what, what opened the eyes of people was uh, the Noakhali uh, genocide that, uh, that, that happened in 1946. And of course, the Great Calcutta killings and all. But we see a very common pattern. The groups, the Muslim groups are always prepared to uh, go forward the, for, for the attacks. Uh, let's say what happened in, uh, let's say October. Uh, you you mentioned how after the uh, Bangladeshi government, they gave an official release and then the media reporting stopped. This is very much akin to what happened in 1964 as well. When uh, initial news of the uh, programs that were happening was known. But then we see how uh, there was a total media blackout. This is very much akin to what was happening in the Pakistani era as well. So we need to see this not as roles of governments. We should not see it as uh, it was It was something like this in the Pakistan era, it was something like this in the Bangladesh era, no. The actual reason is the fact that they, there, is a, there is a deliberate will to ethnically cleanse the Hindus uh, from eastern part of Bengal. And uh, the sooner it is acknowledged, it is better. So there is a very long and sad history to that. Uh, maybe Mohua could uh, tell a few more about, you know, few events yeah yeah so how i see this october thing i see it as uh history repeating itself a continuation for example we have discussed about uh radio rwanda situation in uh, east pakistan when for example malana Kramhan, the president of the bengal provincial muslim league um authored an editorial uh comment in the uh, boishak uh, issue of a monthly journal journal called the Muhammadi, a very influential uh, newspaper where he basically uh, said that every Hindu should be driven out of East Pakistan, after which happened a large scale nationwide pogrom. And this 
led to the basically the ethnic cleansing of entire areas that used to be Hindu majority or at least 50% Hindu. For example, Kulna, Joshur, those areas used to have like a considerable Hindu population, but now it's just, you know, less than 10% Hindus left there. And then in 1971, of course, that didn't happen in vacuum. It was no coincidence that the army targeted or chose Hindus for their campaign of extermination. They saw Hindus as Indian spies or Indian collaborators, which is why, and of course, their natural hatred against Hindus, which is why we were chosen uh, as the primary target. And of course, that is not to say that Muslims weren't killed, that I'm not saying that. Of course, they were also killed, but they were not killed for their religious identity. They were not killed for their identity. They were perhaps killed for supporting Aumi League, but we, our people, were targeted for extermination just because of our identity, our birth, which we could not choose. Like a good analogy would be like the Second World War. Of course, the political opponents were also killed by the Nazis, but you wouldn't say it as a you know secular genocide. You would still call yeah. the Holocaust, uh, you know, specifically against the Jews. This time too, like what Bangladeshi government gave as a statement that only two Hindus died and Muslims died too in this is just a deliberate attempt at whitewashing what happened and secularize the whole thing. Like as to claim that no, Hindus were not targeted. Muslims also died in this riot. So it was not a Hindu specific thing. And then of course there is uh, another angle, which is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people start uh, started to link uh, these riots to the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. They were trying to say that this is because of the Narendra Modi that this happened. This his politics that is leading to the riots in Bangladesh against Hindus because of him. This is not simply not true. I mean, Narendra Modi was not even in power and the riots were happening in the 90s. They were happening in the 80s. They were happening in the 70s, even after the independence and so-called liberation of Bangladesh. They were still happening. There is like a whole large scale migrations uh, ever since after 1971 uh, by Hindus to India. And this large scale migrations have rarely been even acknowledged anywhere like that yeah. you're going through a silent ethnic cleansing and Absolutely. nobody yeah. is speaking about it nobody is talking it in real terms they're telling that we're economic migrants we are this and that we're uh, we're indian at heart that's why we're leaving these kind of statements are coming and all I'm seeing is that villages that used to have our temples, our gods and goddesses, they are gone because they can't keep, the people can't keep them there. They're getting attacked every year and nobody's coming to help them. Nobody's raising voice for them and they have very little options left. They're getting economically squashed. They can't run their businesses because uh, people, the jealous people come and uh, poison their fish ponds. Then they uh, threaten to rape their daughters. What can they do? 
And the saddest thing is that nobody is even acknowledging that what they're going through. They're, you know, giving excuses that it's not because they're Hindus, it's because of this and that. But anything else except to acknowledge that this is anti-Hindu hatred and anti-Hindu genocide. Just like, you know, in Kashmir's case, like they have been claiming that, you know, the Kashmiri pundits were rich people and government positions. That's why the hatred came. No, the hatred did not come from that. Same case in Bangladesh. Yeah. Yes, there's there's a lot, a lot to to unpack. And I think the misinformation, the continuous stream of misinformation that's being created about what's happening to Bangladeshi Hindus, to Kashmiri Hindus, um, to Hindus, um, even in India, um, the Citizenship Amendment Act was created to help Hindu refugees. Last year, I went to go meet Hindu refugees in person and, you know, to see the situation that they're living in, it's very, very dire. So the Citizenship Amendment Act was supposed to help those people who are in the country and they're extremely disenfranchised. You know, they can't um, they can't legally get married. They can't start a business. They it's difficult to pursue higher education. They they literally can't purchase land. They can't purchase a home. Some of them are living on land with literally no sewage, no water, no electricity. I mean, the situation is very dire, but the miscommunication, the misinformation that happened around it was so, so um, severe that it drowned out any semblance of, of reality of the situation. And I think that's the same situation for Bangladeshi Hindus. And it has been for such a long time. And I don't think that the Indian government has been as pro-Hindu as outside forces, you know, detractors would suggest, you know, as an American, I can say that there's, I I believe that there's a lot more that this other government, this uh, foreign government of India should have done in the past during in 1971. And, um, you know, since then to support Bangladeshi Hindus in their country um, and uh, Hindus generally that, that are, that it's genuine suffering. It's not about rhetoric. With all that being said, one thing that I would like to touch upon is the way that the October 2021 violence changed the silence of Hindus. So you mentioned that not a lot of people are talking about this. And that's definitely what I experienced in trying to bring awareness about the Bengali Hindu genocide is that a lot of Bengali Hindus were afraid to talk about it. They faced so much trauma um, that it's very difficult to talk about the situation where so many members of your family are being killed, you know, you're leaving and leaving everything you've ever known with only the clothes on your back. And, you know, with the constant fear, especially if you're a woman of sexual violence um, or having faced sexual violence, um, such as rape and, you know, other forms of humiliation, it is so difficult for those that have gone through all of that and more to then talk about it. The survivors, are very reluctant to speak about it. And Bangladeshi Hindus have been very reluctant to um, share this information because because of that um, practice of not talking about what the trauma that the Bengali Hindu community has gone through. But after the October 2021 violence, I sensed a shift. And I'm wondering if you both of you as Bengali Hindus sense the shift as well in, in terms of how much people from Bangladesh and Bengali Hindus wanted to talk about the violence that Bengali Hindus have been subject to now and 
for such a long time? From my end, I can say that this is actually the first time I saw such large scale protests happening um, by our community against uh, the pogrom real time, because there have been big pogroms even before 90s, 2000s, even in 2013, 14, which I remember because I was present in 2013 in Bangladesh when I visited my family, I saw them. There was no protest, maybe because they were simply afraid. But I think there has been a great shift because both inside Bangladesh, there has the Hindus protested. They were ready with the protest and thousands of Hindus came out in the street and protested against the pogrom. And of course, abroad, too. And I was just wondering maybe if that is because of the social media social media that spread awareness that this and this is happening right now. So this made like uh, people come together and agitate and organize on time. Before that, there was not social media that much. So people wouldn't know that what was happening, especially because Bangladesh is active in suppressing news and like information that is flowing out. For example, during the programs, they had, you know, uh, weekend, the phone signal. I think Shoma can explain this better. Could you explain this this aspect better? Yeah. Yes, uh, I think that the data speeds were uh, reduced over there. One uh, somebody who was sending us information had uh, mentioned about that, and uh, I think that would be it uh, in, in the internet slowdown part. Yeah. So, they, they... so speaking of social media, um, the the use of social media to foment violence and then the use of social media to share um, about the details of the violence was so critical. Um, so it caused mm -hmm. the violence, which was so unfortunate, but it also served uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, more platforms for people to share, even WhatsApp. Um, videos of the violence, photos of the violence, their accounts of this is what's happening in my community. And I know your social media accounts, you can find stories of Bengali Hindus on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All of them were sharing information about the violence as it was happening in October, 2021. But your Twitter account was suspended on December 1st. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, reason for yeah, of course. So the reason for the suspension was given to be ban evasion. So we read through Twitter's policies, and ban evasion is basically when you have a previous account and you get banned, and then you make another account, you know, to compensate for that ban and carry on. But the thing is, this was our first and only account on Twitter. So the point is, the ban evasion is something uh, it does not apply to us. Uh, had it been, uh, let's say, uh, let, let's take a. Another case of, let's say, uh, an account ban that could be, let's say, copyright infringement or, let's say, promoting violence. So these are issues that have local laws to govern them in any country in which an account is being operated. So uh, we were, we are extremely careful in the way we post. So definitely uh, there cannot be any, uh, you know, things, say, copyright infringement or, or things like that against us. But ban evasion is something that is internal to Twitter's policies. So we did appeal to Twitter asking them, why do you feel, uh, the reason that our account was banned and we clarified that this is our first and only account. So, uh, it has been about four months since we, uh, pushed the appeal and there has been no response to that as far. So 
we do suspect uh, there might be uh, you know certain reasons which would be uh, very sad to say uh, but maybe uh, there are lobbies which doesn't which just doesn't want our page on twitter so that's why this uh, uh, such a you know an inapplicable reason was chosen uh, for suspending our page <laughs> But the uh, accounts that were originally fomenting the violence in October 2021 on Twitter, those are active. Those are still Precisely. active. Yeah. And I would also like to briefly add that uh, basically we weren't the only account that was suspended by Twitter that was Bangladeshi Hindu and amplifying Bangladeshi Hindu voices. There were other accounts. So basically they were suspended during the pogrom. And so we took over and we became basically the so-called primary source for the international audience to look into about the pogroms because we were translating all the news and we were picking up. We also had some people in Bangladesh. I don't like to use the word informant, but they were kind of sort of like that to us. They contacted us and they told us about what was going on ground. And there was one person I remember who told us that he feels very demoralized because he's seeing all these social media accounts that are, you know, amplifying the voices of Bangladeshi Hindus. They're being taken down by these social media accounts and that he's so much afraid of coming out with his own name or face or own account just in case he also gets consequences by the government because the government of Bangladesh has something called the Digital Security Act, which is used actively to uh, imprison activists and some of the activists are like Hindu human rights activists and the grounds could be that defaming the Bangladeshi government. So basically this person said that we were his hope and we're so sad and so sorry to him that our page got suspended by Twitter and we wish we could, you know, tell him that there are people who are raising voices for our people who are in Bangladesh, but it's so demoralizing to see that so many Hindu pages are being suspended. And the thing is that we've never promoted hate speech anywhere, anytime. We've always made sure that we post facts and not spread any fake news. And if we have accidentally, we have apologized. So we haven't broken any rules, yet still we got suspended. We don't know what to say. Yeah, it's it's a really challenging situation that um, Hindus uh, that are advocating for Hindus in Bangladesh and elsewhere um, on social media. And I think the fact that you've reached out to Twitter and still haven't gotten a response and they've suspended other accounts and your account was doing the work of sharing this information and it was suspended means that it reduces the ability for Hindus to advocate for themselves through social media. And I think, you know, we can't guess as to the reasons why, you know, Twitter staff has done this, but it definitely, definitely um, is something that Twitter needs to take responsibility for is what voices is it amplifying. If people are speaking about victims of violence and you prevent them from speaking, what does that do? Um, this is something that we really have to ask ourselves. A lot of 
um, you know, popular social media companies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are US based. And so as Hindu Americans, we really have to ask ourselves if we work in these companies, if we support these companies, if we use these um, social media websites, what does it do um, when victims can't speak and say, this is this is the violence that my community faced. Look at what happened. Um, and, and that's a question that we all have to answer. Um, so we're going to continue doing our work at the Hindu American Foundation to advocate as hard as possible for Bengali Hindus. I know stories of Bengali Hindus is going to do the same. Again, you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, and unfortunately not Twitter at the moment. But let's all hope, pray and advocate that they can get back on Twitter as soon as possible. Thank you so much, Moa and Somya B for joining me from the Stories of Bengali Hindus team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bibi. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. If you want to help ensure that more of these get made, you can make a donation to HAF at www.indoamerican.org slash donate.